Dayline Jessum is next on the Gridley Wave Network. On tape delay from the Barsoomian Blade Bureau in Chicago, Illinois. Dateline Jassoon. A Panthen Press production. For the fans of Edgar Rice Burroughs and Pulp Adventure. Here's your host, Elmo. Welcome to show number 15. Today we have an interview with Mark Wheatley of Insight Studios. Mark is a longtime Burroughs fan and also a member of the National Capital Panthans. Uh, his bio page on the Insight Studios website, and I'll link to this website on the archive page, says that he is a known accomplice to the Frankenstein mobster. Ripped from the police files of Monstrous City! The most amazing story of crime ever told! In a city where monsters live and mobsters rule, a mad scientist built a better mobster. The Frankenstein Monster! That's one of his comic book series. Previous crimes include Breathtaker, The Black Hood, Radical Dreamer, Mars, Blood of the Innocent, Tarzan, Heavy Metal, and Hammer of the Gods. He's also a musician, and you heard some of his music from Boo at the beginning of this show, and I played a little bit uh, on the last show from uh, Radical Dreamer. Where eyes can see tomorrow and ears can hear yesterday. Dreams cannot die, they cannot die. Our dreams cannot die on this side. Stay true to our dreams, we'll find our way. Even a dream on the only way. Sitting here at the ECOF convention with Mark Wheatley, a uh, longtime uh, 
artist, comic book artist, and other things. Maybe you can describe some of the other art director, publisher, yeah, everything. Even worked as a soundtrack composer for a while before I got into this. Okay. And as uh, what we're concerned with, uh, uh, mostly on Dateline Jassoom, is Edgar Rice Burroughs. So I'm and and you, of course, do a lot of Burroughs-related art, and and I get the feeling. I get the feeling that Burroughs has always been a strong influence on you throughout throughout your career, or maybe not. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out what me. came first. Uh, yeah. Was was I hanging in trees before I read <laughs> Burroughs? And I think I was, mm-hmm. but it really fit my lifestyle. I, right. I was building tree houses left and right growing up when I was a yeah. kid, and ended up building uh, a really cool one mm-hmm. uh, when I was in high school and moved into it and lived in it for the last two years I lived at home. Really? That's well, I right. had uh, electricity, wall-to-wall carpeting. Um, I kept my comic collection out there. Uh-huh. And, uh, <laughs> That's good. Now, what did the parents say about that? Um, well, maybe, you know, they kind of liked me having yeah. me out of the house because yeah. there was that time I walked back in late one night after I'd been out to the treehouse yeah. and surprised them. <laughs> <laughs> and, but you started reading Burroughs when? Uh, at um, age? I think my very first exposure to Edgar Rice Burroughs was probably the Wisemiller films. Yeah. Um, and they seemed interesting, but they never delivered. You know, it was always yeah. like the promise was cool, mm-hmm. but they seemed never right. there. Right. And uh, they were run endlessly on Saturday and Sunday mornings, yeah. you know. Yeah. From there, I thought I knew Tarzan, and I thought Tarzan, well, yeah. was kind of sucky. Right. And then they did the uh, Ace paperback things in the 60s, right. and I think I must have read, I think the first one I read was Tarzan at the Earth Core. Okay. Which is still one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. And, um, Mark, just to give people perspective, can I ask how old you are then? I, I, am, uh, I, I am 52 years old. Okay. Yeah. Right. <laughs> See, when people start talking about the boom of the 60s and things, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I need to give perspective right. on yes, things. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. It's a long time ago in another century. All right. Um, the, uh, but then shortly after that, because now I was sensitized to it and realized it was cool, because right. I had read one, I was visiting my grandparents' house in uh, Brunswick, Maryland, and looked in my fa- my grandfather's uh, glassed-in bookcase, mm-hmm. and on the shelf was Tarzan and the Jewels of Opar in a dust-jacketed edition okay. uh, from Grasset and Dunlop. Okay. And uh, it was like pristine, it was like brand new, and I pulled yeah. it off the shelf, like, ooh, this is cool, because yeah. that looked like the real stuff, yeah. with the J. Allen St. John illustrations, right. Right. and it just was right. And you could tell it wasn't Johnny Weissmiller. Right. It, it just had a different oh, yeah. feel to it. it. It felt serious, yeah. you know, yeah. just him wrestling that line on the yeah. cover and everything, and it, and it yeah. was elegant, but at the same time, it was cool. Yeah. And so I read that, and I was just completely hooked from that point right. on. Right, right. And at the same time, seeing that St. John work, was that influencing you as an artist? Was Absolutely. It those sorts of and I wasn't even an artist at the time, yeah. consciously, but I mean, yeah. it, it was, um, it took me a long time to get back to that, to understand that that was one of the seminal things that was informing my own work. Right. Uh, uh, that and an early exposure to N.C. Wyatt. Okay. Those two things were really seminal in creating whatever wellspring I have that I pull right. from to be inspired and right. create my own work. Right. And I'd say that combined with uh, my experience early viewing um, uh, King Kong, the original okay. King Kong movie, right. uh, really gives me the mood and, and look yeah. I go for in my work. And so after you picked up that first Tarzan book, did you 
race through the rest of Burroughs after that? And, and were you saying in your mind that this was your guy, or, or was it more of a slow process? No, I'm I'm like uh, a lot of us. I guess there's yeah. some sort of insecurity in me where I need to have a lot of one yeah. thing to be sure I won't not have a lot of one thing. So yeah. I ate all my peas once and then my potatoes. And, yeah. um, so I went through and I grabbed every Burroughs book I could, which, right. you know, I lived in a small town. That meant yeah. whatever was at the local drugstore on the yeah. rack. Yeah. And uh, I read every Ace book, and I wasn't as attracted to the Valentine editions, but I did pick up the Mars books and read a couple of those. But it, didn't, it took me a long time to understand things should be read in order. Okay. All and right. so I was a little confused because I was reading the stories out of order, right. especially the Mars stuff, yeah. which is really dependent on that early yeah. on. And um, eventually reached saturation point. Oh, oh, I, I ordered, you know, they had the thing in the back of the Ace books. I ordered directly from Ace, like a huge box of all their right, their, oh, right. their books. Is that and I think maybe one came with a map or something. Of right, Barthum right, and, right. Yeah. And and I still have my order form. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I still, yeah, yeah you don't ever throw anything away. Yeah. So our, but but they, I, but my thing I was going yeah. to though is I read all those and really like maybe one summer. Yeah, you know, just just blasted through them, and got to the point where if I had to read one more coincidence. Of people getting split off to yeah, go right. off and then yeah. get lost and then come yeah. back and find themselves again yeah. at the exact right moment yeah. and the lovers coming together in the last thing. Yeah. It's like, okay, I've got Burroughs figured out. And it was a long time before I came back to him and I would missed some of his best books. Okay. And, and that's good because there's still a couple on my shelf that I'm saving, right. you know, that oh, I haven't Lord. read yet. Yeah. Well, which ones haven't you read yet? Uh, well, I haven't read out while it's torn. Okay. You know, um... Uh, I, a couple of the later Tarzan books I have not read, okay. you know, and, and I'm not sure they're going to be anything I savor when yeah. I get to them either from the other ones I've read from the same period. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah you're, well, I'm not going to spoil anything. Well, everybody, we've already talked long. about this for a long time. Yeah. Well, okay, let me ask you, one thing I like to ask people is, is if you're a, a Tarzan guy or a John Carter guy, if, if you were put up against a wall. Probably more of a Tarzan guy. I grew really? up in a swamp. I grew okay. up in a corner of the Great Dismal Swamp, and okay. that, that was my playground. So yeah. the idea of those swampy marshes and big trees you could climb in with vines hanging yeah. off of them, tree houses, you right. know, was me to the core. Yeah. And, and so Tarzan's pretty much it. But I, I, I do very much like John Carter. Well, and, and the reason I ask is what I love your Martian artwork. I, I mean, uh, the, the Burroughs-inspired artwork that you do uh, for Mars is just... Well, if you're talking about the IDW stuff, I yeah. guess, yeah. Um, that's an interesting situation because it's the first time, the absolute, I'm thinking it here, but it's the absolute first time that I have been paid mm -hmm. to illustrate Burroughs. Oh, really? Okay. And that means it's the first time I actually had time and a budget to mm -hmm. devote to it where I could spend more than a couple hours working on a piece from start right. to finish. Right. Instead, I spent like three days. Okay. And it makes a big difference because I made sure I had read the book three times right before right. I sat down to draw it. Yeah. Um, I had chosen like 12 different scenes that I wanted to illustrate, mm -hmm. did roughs for them all, and then mm -hmm. chose the best ones from that. So, I mean, I really honed it down. Where normally all the stuff you're seeing is stuff I have a couple hours free one right. day, yeah. and I know I have a panthen cover I need right. to do, and, okay. and so I draw it. Yeah. Okay. So it's a big difference, <laughs> and and you can tell, and and I think I mean one of the prints that you had up in the Huckster's room today, there there was a. Was it Schoonover yes, in, it in the background? Yes, I, I, mean, of the schooner I, I, just, I just love that. Well, because so. I had read that the uh, that the old buildings that the uh, that mm -hmm. the uh, Starks had taken over right. um, were 
covered with these paintings yeah. of rather Earth-like scenes. Yeah. And I thought, well, what a cool thing to just stick the juniper up there yeah. like it was one oh, of those yeah. paintings. Yeah, that was, that yeah. was a, a brilliant little yeah. touch. Yeah. So. Well, I, I'm a big fan of the Brandywine School, and I like yeah. Juniper's work far beyond what he did for Burr. Yeah. Let me, um, and I can edit this how you want, but I... Make I think, me sound good. Well, no, I, I mean, I want to... Because you, you brought up that artwork, but can we, can we mention something about how, how this artwork was for a comic book that is... Oh, sure, um, yeah. It was for the IDW Princess of Mars adaptation, which was planned to run five issues. It right. was written by Dan Taylor, who is known for Hero Happy Hour right. and is one of the editors at, okay. at IDW. And um, uh, it was illustrated, it was to be illustrated by Ted McKeever. And uh, I like what Ted was doing with it. It's, it's mm -hmm. definitely out there, and yeah. it wasn't what you would normally expect to associate yeah. with it. But it's obvious too he had given a lot of thought to. And you were do, you it. were doing the covers. I was doing the alternate covers for the book. Okay. And um, the first three issues, the alternate covers were by Frank Cho, and the last mm -hmm. two issues, four and five, were by me. Right. Um, and I think it's because, frankly, they had seen the Panthem journals and they yeah. said, hey, cool, these guys like the book, yeah. let's take it. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, it also helped that I was doing the Mars, my Mars comic book. Right. They had collected it, and okay. so we already had a working relationship. And the funniest thing is the first time they contacted me about the IDW, Princess of Mars, they sent me an email that said in the subject line, a non-Mars issue. <laughs> and I immediately wrote back and said, well, actually, it is a Mars issue. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, unfortunately, that project is on hold, or, or yeah, for the moment, possibly their official line is it's on hold. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, um, well, we there are a lot of princess-related projects on hold. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, they'll all get green-lighted yeah. soon. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Why don't you? Uh, I don't know. If, I don't know if we have time to go through all your projects, but but tell me about some of your. What projects that you're involved in that you're most excited about right now? Wow. Um, this is probably the most exciting time I've ever had in my career. Mm -hmm. I've got a list. Uh, yeah. We're currently working, we're putting a lot of time, Alan Gross and our Insight Studios and I, putting a lot of time into Miles the Monster, okay. which is a comic book series that we've developed for sale at NASCAR tracks. Okay. Specifically, the Dover International Speedway in Dover, Delaware. Okay. And we're reaching a huge untapped comic audience, turning them on to reading comics. We're, we're working with really excellent people. I mean, I've never been really even aware of the NASCAR crowd until I got involved, and they are just wonderful people, nothing mm -hmm. like the stereotypes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a really unjust stereotype. Right. It's, it's a really cool people the most reasonable people I've ever worked with. Mm -hmm. They've got great ideas, a lot of enthusiasm, and because of that, we've come up with a really cool comic book okay. that, that is turning a lot of people on to comics and Miles the Monster. Yeah. Which yeah. is, ba their, their, their track is known as the Monster Mile. Okay. And so that's how we came up with Miles the Monster, who's the giant embodiment of their track, a giant concrete monster, like a giant Kirby monster, <laughs> you know. And uh, his uh, secret passion is to drive. Okay. And but he's cute. He's 50 feet tall. So, you know. <laughs> so he's, he doesn't have much opportunity. Second issue is finishing up tomorrow. We're building him a big car. <laughs> Take right. him out to the Bonneville Flats, and he's so. <laughs> so you, you you really like the off the wall kind of stuff. It sounds like I like uh, doing stuff that means something to me, and yeah. that I can I can really tell the story yeah. from my point of view and really yeah. get involved with it. Yeah. And that that's what's taking my time right now. But at the same time, uh, my Hammer of the God series. Right. 
is uh, going. It's just gone in uh, at Fox Studios. It's been there for three years, but we've got um, Roberto Rodriguez right. attached. Uh, we have Eduardo Rodriguez attached, and we have Dwayne Smith. All A-list people in Hollywood, mm -hmm. uh, and they've just signed off on the script with no notes. Right. So uh, we're hoping in the next week and a half the budget will be approved and we'll be going full speed ahead on this. Thing. Quick, quick synopsis of Hammer of the Gods. Hammer of the Gods is about Modi, who's a young Viking lad okay. who is born cursed to never touch a man-made weapon or he will lose his soul, okay. which means that he's frustrated because he can't play with the other Viking lads. <laughs> And, you know, he ends up, you know, having all these uh, ties to the gods okay. and uh, interacting with this really hot uh, Valkyrie babe, you know, okay. that they seem to get it on. And, well, I don't want to get too much okay. right. Yeah, but... Uh, yeah, it's really so cool. It was a, it's, the graphic novel is now out of print, but you may be able to still get it through your comic shop. Okay. Uh, it's called Hammer the Gods, Mortal Enemy. Okay. We have a new one on the way. So. And, they're, and they're talking about an adaptation of that gra graphic novel? Right. Or something it's, 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 new? It's... it's, it's it's amazing. They, they spent three years doing scripts about a uh, light-hearted romantic comedy set in Manhattan featuring a, featuring a young, upwardly mobile Wall Street executive who gets lost in the sewers under Wall Street and discovers the Norse world. Uh -huh. They finally decided it was unfilmable until <laughs> Eduardo Rodriguez read our graphic novel by Michael right. Avon Omi, my partner on the book, and me, okay. and uh, came in and said, hey, you know what, we should do this just like the book. And they said, <laughs> brilliant! <laughs> and so they wrote a script that was perfect, and they made one flight change to our story. Okay. Well, that sounds good. Yeah. That sounds great. Yeah. Um, Mark, it's been great talking to you. I can't think of much else. To, well, I can think of I'm a lot really of things to talk about. Yeah. I can think of it's a great lot talking of things, you too. but we don't have a lot of time on, on Dateline cool. Jazz Zoom, but thanks for sitting down with me. There are two pieces of late-breaking news from Bill Hillman at Herbzine.com. The first is that the 2007 Dum Dum Convention will be held in Louisville, Kentucky where fans will be able to see George McWhorter's collection at the ERB Memorial Collection at the University of uh, Louisville Library. And the second is that Paramount has not renewed its option on the John Carter of Mars motion picture. It's a terrific crash, ladies and gentlemen. The smoke and the flames now, and the framers crashing to the ground, not quite to the mooring mass of the humanity. Hopefully, plenty of other studios will be interested in this property, and I'm sure Bill will keep you updated on that, and I'll let you know whatever I hear regarding that, too. That's it for show number 15. I'll talk to you in two weeks when we'll have more from the ECOF convention and a recording from 1939. Ladies and gentlemen, we have with us tonight the man who conceived a character who holds front rank in the popular fiction of our time, the creator of Tarzan, Edgar Rice Burroughs. Thank you, Ken. Well, Mr. Burroughs, it isn't very often that we have the most popular writer in the world on our program. Well, Ken, I'd hardly call myself that. Oh, 25 million copies can't be wrong. But tell us, how did it all happen? Well, Tarzan started off as a thing to keep two bookends apart. This is Elmo from the Barsoomian Blade Bureau in Chicago, signing off. <laughs> <laughs>